Section 18 of the Letters of Jane Austen. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Letter 40. Chawton, Friday, January 29th, 1813. I hope you received my little parcel by J. Bond on Wednesday evening, my dear Cassandra, and that you will be ready to hear from me again on Sunday, for I feel that I must write to you to-day. I want to tell you that I have got my own darling child from London. On Wednesday I received one copy sent down by Falconer, with three lines from Henry to say that he had given another to Charles, and sent a third by the coach to Godmersham. The advertisement is in our paper to-day for the first time, eighteen shillings. He shall ask one pound one shilling for my two next, and one pound eight shilling for my stupidest of all. Miss B. dined with us on the very day of the book's coming, and in the evening we fairly set at it, and read half the first volume to her, prefacing that, having intelligence from Henry that such a work would soon appear, we had desired him to send it whenever it came out, and I believed it passed with her unsuspected. She was amused, poor soul. That she could not help, you know, with two such people to lead the way. But she really does seem to admire Elizabeth. I must confess that I think her as delightful a creature as ever appeared in print, and how I shall be able to tolerate those who do not like her at least, I do not know. There are a few typical errors, and a said he, or a said she, would sometimes make the dialogue more immediately clear, but I do not write for such dull elves as have not a great deal of ingenuity themselves. The second volume is shorter than I could wish, but the difference is not so much in reality as in look, there being a larger proportion of narrative in that part. I have lopped and cropped so successfully, however, that I imagine it must be rather shorter than sense and sensibility altogether. Now I will try and write of something else. Letter 41 Jorton, Thursday, February 4th My dear Cassandra, your letter was truly welcome, and I am much obliged to you for all your praise. It came at a right time, for I had had some fits of disgust. Our second evening's reading to Miss B. had not pleased me so well, but I believe something must be attributed to my mother's too rapid way of getting on, though she perfectly understands the characters herself, she cannot speak as they ought. Upon the whole, however, I am quite vain enough and well satisfied enough. The work is rather too light and bright and sparkling. It wants shade. It wants to be stretched out here and there, with a long chapter of sense, if it could be had. If not, of solemn specious nonsense, about something unconnected with the story, an essay on writing, a critique on Walter Scott, or the history of Bonaparte, or something that would form a contrast, and bring the reader with increased delight to the playfulness and epigrammatism of the general style. The greatest blunder in the printing that I have met with is in page 220, volume 3, where two speeches are made into one. There might as well be no suppers at Longbourn, but I suppose it was the remains of Mrs. Bennet's old Meryton habits. Letter 42 February This will be a very quick return for yours, my dear Cassandra. I doubt it's having much else to recommend it, but there is no saying. It may turn out to be a very long and delightful letter. 
I am exceedingly pleased that you can say what you do, after having gone through the whole work, and Fanny's praise is very gratifying. My hopes were tolerably strong of her, but nothing like a certainty. Her liking Darcy and Elizabeth is enough. She might hate all the others if she would. I have her opinion under her own hand this morning, but your transcript of it, which I read first, was not and is not the less acceptable. To me it is, of course, all praise, but the more exact truth which she sends you is good enough. Our party on Wednesday was not unagreeable, though we wanted a master of the house less anxious and fidgety, and more conversable. Upon Mrs. Blank's mentioning that she had sent the rejected addresses to Mrs. H., I began talking to her a little about them, and expressed my hope of their having amused her. Her answer was, "'Oh, dear, yes, very much, very droll indeed, the opening of the house and the striking up of the fiddles.' What she meant, poor woman, who can say? I sought no further. As soon as a whist-party was formed and a round table threatened, I made my mother an excuse and came away, leaving just as many for their round table as there were at Mrs. Grant's. I wish they might be as agreeable a set. My mother is very well, and finds great amusement in glove-knitting, and at present wants no other work. We quite run over with books. She has got Sir John Carr's Travels in Spain, and I am reading a Society Octavo, an Essay on the Military Police and Institutions of the British Empire, by Captain Pasley of the Engineers, a book which I protested against at first, but which upon trial I find delightfully written and highly entertaining. I am as much in love with the author as I ever was with Clarkson or Buchanan, or even the two Mr. Smiths of the city. The first soldier I ever sighed for, but he does write with extraordinary force and spirit. Yesterday, moreover, brought us Mrs. Grant's letters, with Mr. White's compliments. But I have disposed of them, compliments and all, to Miss P., and amongst so many readers or retainers of books as we have in Shorten, I dare say there will be no difficulty in getting rid of them for another fortnight, if necessary. I have disposed of Mrs. Grant for the second fortnight to Mrs. Blank. It can make no difference to her which of the twenty-six fortnights in the year the three volumes lie on her table. I have been applied to for information as to the oath taken in former times of bell, book, and candle, but have none to give. Perhaps you may be able to learn something of its origin where you are now. Ladies who read those enormous, great, stupid, thick quarto volumes, which one always sees in the breakfast parlour, there must be acquainted with everything in the world. I detest a quarto. Captain Pasley's book is too good for their society. They will not understand a man who condenses his thoughts into an octavo. I have learned from Sir J. Carr that there is no government house at Gibraltar. I must alter it to the commissioners. Letter 43 Sloan Street, Thursday, May 20th My dear Cassandra, Before I say anything else, I claim a paper full of halfpence on the drawing-room mantelpiece. I put them there myself, and forgot to bring them with me. I cannot say that I have yet been in any distress for money, but I choose to have my due, as well as the devil. How lucky we were on our weather yesterday! This wet morning makes one more sensible of it. We had no rain of any consequence. The head of the caracal was put half up three or four times, 
but our share of the showers was very trifling, though they seemed to be heavy all round us, when we were in the hog's back, and I fancied it might then be raining so hard at Chawton as to make you feel for us much more than we deserved. Three hours and a quarter took us to Guildford, where we stayed barely two hours, and had only just time enough for all we had to do there, that is, eating a long and comfortable breakfast, watching the carriages, paying Mr. Harrington, and taking a little stroll afterwards. From some views which that stroll gave us, I think most highly of the situation of Guildford. We wanted all our brothers and sisters to be standing with us in the bowling-green, and looking towards Horsham. I was very lucky in my gloves, got them at the first shop I went to, though I went into it rather because it was near than because it looked at all like a glove-shop, and gave only four shillings for them, after which everybody at Shorten will be hoping and predicting that they cannot be good for anything, and their worth certainly remains to be proved. But I think they look very well. We left Guildford at twenty minutes before twelve. I hope somebody cares for these minutiae, and we're at Esher in about two hours more. I was very much pleased with the country in general. Between Guildford and Ripley I thought it particularly pretty, also about Painsill, and from a Mr. Spicer's grounds at Esher, which we walked into before dinner, the views were beautiful. I cannot say what we did not see, but I should think there could not be a wood, or a meadow, or palace, or remarkable spot in England that was not spread out before us on one side or another. Claremont is going to be sold, and Mr. Ellis has it now. It is a house that seems never to have prospered. After dinner we walked forward to be overtaken at the coachman's time, and before he did overtake us we were very near Kingston. I fancy it was about half-past six when we reached this house, a twelve-hours business, and the horses did not appear more than reasonably tired. I was very tired, too, and glad to get to bed early, but am quite well to-day. I am very snug in the front drawing-room all to myself, and would not say thank you for any company but you. The quietness of it does me good. I have contrived to pay my two visits, though the weather made me a great while about it, and left me only a few minutes to sit with Charlotte Craven. She looks very well, and her hair is done up with an elegance to do credit to any education. Her manners are as unaffected and pleasing as ever. She has heard from her mother to-day. Mrs. Craven spends another fortnight at Chilton. I saw nobody but Charlotte, which pleased me best. I was shown upstairs into a drawing-room when she came to me, and the appearance of the room, so totally unschool-like, amused me very much. It was full of modern elegancies. Yours very affectionately, J. A. End of section 18